Hi, this is Marty McFly, and you're listening to Hydrate Level 4. Boy, oh boy, Mom, you sure know how to hydrate a good podcast. Welcome to Hydrate Level 4. I'm your host, Peter. And I'm your co-host, Phoenix. And today we have a special guest. Joining us from Project Phantom is Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Hi, how are you? I'm doing... I'm tired this morning. How are you doing? <laughs> the same. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's morning for both of us, or all three of us, really. Uh, me and Phoenix, we're um, on the West Coast, so we're three hours behind, so uh, a little bit early uh, that we, well, I mean, I guess Sunday mornings are the best times for us to record with a guest, so, um, but weekend, you know. Uh, but you're, this is the first time you're on the, on the show. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, some of the things you do at Project Phantom? Yes, I am on the uh, two podcasts with um, Nina and uh, John on The Strain, and then I'm with Nina and Robin on Sleepy Hollow, and I also do apps for Doctor Who, which is starting next week, so that's exciting, and uh, Penny Dreadful, and Kings, and Hannibal, which just ended sadly. So you can see I've kind of got a niche as far as half horror type stuff, so um, this movie is really suited to my ears. Yeah, uh, Phoenix likes Hannibal. No, no, my no. bad. That's Bates Motel. No, yeah. Okay, well, different, different uh, movies. Same genre, mm. <laughs> right? Um, but <laughs> Crazy yeah. killer people. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wonder if he, the, um, that show Hannibal. What, what would you think the, well, I don't want to say demographic, but uh, at what age do you think um, somebody could start watching something like that? Uh, Hannibal is pretty terrifying. Mm. Um, it's when it's TV violence, so. But at the same time, it does ride the, the line as far as censorship goes. I'm pretty surprised that they got some of the stuff in there that they did. I'm not sure um, what kind of movies that Phoenix has seen before. Um, there are things that are upsetting to adults, but at the same time, mm. um, it's done in such a stylized manner that you actually enjoy what's happening. <laughs> Every week you kind of end up questioning your morals a little bit because you're like, wow, that uh, that guy's liver looks delicious. <laughs> right. Hmm. Well, I've, I've had liver. I'm not a huge fan of it, but yeah, <laughs> perhaps if it's seasoned correctly, it might be okay. <laughs> right. Well, Hannibal is a master, so. Yeah. You know, I once had a conversation with a guy that said that, like, I, I can eat anything as long as it's seasoned right. He's like, I, I, can, I, can, I can eat you, you know, if you were seasoned right. I'm like... Thank you. <laughs> how do you? What do you? How do you respond to that? Um, and I, I think know? he had. A, <laughs> yeah, and I don't know. I think he was just trying to go to the extreme to to prove a point. I guess to uh. you know make make a point. And um, yeah, I, I, he had been drinking, so I just thought it was very interesting that he said that because uh, it, it did take me to like what like Silence of the Lambs kind of stuff. Like what are you talking about? Right. Right. Um, but Sleepy Hollow. The, the show that uh, it's what season three is premiering soon. Mm -hmm. Yes. And yeah, coincidentally, I, I didn't know that you, uh, you know, are, I, I guess, a big fan of the movie. Yeah. Every year, um, my husband and I watch it. Uh, it's one of his favorite movies. So it's just something fun that we put on during season. Um, I really think it's an enjoyable movie that you don't have to think too hard about. Out, but um, but still, you come away feeling like you've had fun and that you saw a great movie. Yeah, it was just it was just um, 
coincidental that yeah that you, you guys watch this every year i had no idea i was just like well you know you um do a show about it uh, on the tv series anyway and i just thought it'd be kind of cool if phoenix and i reviewed the movie you know in conjunction with the premiere of season three um so mm-hmm. that's yeah that's so that's why i asked you to come on here um but phoenix you're are you familiar with the story of sleepy hollow um i remember reading this book as a uh as a little kid but i do not remember very deeply about the story about everything just because I haven't read it in such a long time. So that was your introduction to this story was a, a book you read in school? Yeah. Okay. In elementary school. The uh, I think the first time I have heard about the story was on a uh, I think it was a Canadian TV show that was uh, I, I think pretty popular here on Nickelodeon called Are You Afraid of the Dark? Sarah, is that something mm. that you used to watch? No, I um, I'm not sure how old Peter, but um I was kind of back in the day of like Double Dare, <laughs> um, stuff like that. <laughs> I remember. You can't Mark do Summers. that on television, right? <laughs> right. So I think that that show was on quite yet, but I'm I'm not entirely sure. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Are you afraid of the dark? Was like uh, it was part of the Nick at Night. Um, okay. Like run, and mm-hmm. it was mm-hmm. it was like a a group of teenagers around a campfire on every episode, and each. Uh, each episode, it's one of them telling a a story, and um, e- each of these stories, they they have you know something like this, like Sleepy Hollow. One was about like the monkey's paw or something, or something's paw. Oh yeah. You know, so yeah, so the, I so it, it's kind of like it's kind of like Goosebumps, but on TV. Sure. You know, so it's kind of like that. So uh, yeah, it was a, I yeah, I was surprised you didn't hear that uh, or recall if. If uh, if you watched Double Dare and stuff like that, but I like Mark Summers. I I watched him on. I don't know if he's still on there, but um, Unwrapped on the Food Network. Uh huh. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, Sarah, do you remember when you first saw the movie? I don't remember. Okay. <laughs> it's been a long time. Yeah. So I don't recall the first time I saw it. I was actually working at the movie theaters uh, at that time because that was the same year that uh, Star Wars Episode One came out. Um, yeah. And so I yeah I I remember a lot of the movies and um, you know I had a good time working at the theaters at that time. But uh, <laughs> Phoenix wasn't born yet. Um, Phoenix, do you want to just go ahead and get into the, the the summary and we'll talk about the movie. Sure. Um, the plot follows police constable Ichabod Crane sent from New York City to investigate a series of murders in the village of Sleepy Hollow by a mysterious headless horseman. Sleepy Hollow is a 1999, uh, I guess, like horror action. Phoenix, would you call it like a horror action or just horror? Mm, supernatural, supernatural thriller. Okay, okay, a little mix of of all of that. Uh, directed by Tim Burton, um, starring Johnny Depp, Christina Ricci, and Christopher Walken. Yeah. Okay, so. In this movie, Sarah, there are three actors that play a Sith Lord. Can you name two of the lords? Oh God! Or even, or even their actor name. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh. Um. Yeah. Um. I'm asking for two because uh, one you do not see his face. He actually plays the um the headless. Horseman. 
Oh, I didn't, I didn't realize that was the same person. Um, wow. Yeah, I, I know that the older men plays the, um, <laughs> I can't even remember his to put role. You on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, Christopher uh, Lee was, was one of them. Um, uh, Darth Sidious, uh, Ian McDiarmid, uh, McGregor. No, uh, that's uh, Obi Wan. Ah, uh, Ewan, Ewan McGregor. Um, and the uh, the the headless horseman is played by Ray Park, who plays uh, Darth Maul. I did not know that was Ray. That Park. I didn't know. Yeah, and and if you think about it, like okay, well I like I'm surprised, but I I can see why because like you know when he's wielding the sword and stuff like that, like uh, Ray Park is is pretty pretty good with the weaponry. So I, I can kind yes. of see that. Yeah, I was thinking of the uh, the older man with the. It must have been Ian McDermott that I was thinking about with the tufty hair. The, um, he was also like uh, Senator Palpatine. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's early. Yeah. I've only had one. Yeah, and and, and also people <laughs> want you know are tuning in to hear Sleepy Hollow, not Star Wars, but uh, right. <laughs> Phoenix. It, <laughs> But immediately, like all of the Star Wars fanboys, just like turn this off. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's. Um... Sorry, guys. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, Phoenix. This is a Tim Burton movie. Uh, like most directors, he likes to collab. Well, yeah, he likes to work with a lot of people he's worked with before. Do you recognize uh, anybody? There's at least two that ha- he's previously worked with on some of the Batman movies. Um. I'll give you a hint. Is, one of the leads was is, in one of them. Is the little boy Robin? No. Oh. <laughs> um. <laughs> uh, the little boy who... I mean, Robin was in School Ties. Oh. Oh, I didn't know that. I, um, I mentioned it. I'm not sure. Um, okay, so... Let me see. The notary, Hardin Brook, who uh, ends up ki- uh, killing himself, or uh, hanging himself. Oh, the, the real man. guy. Mm-hmm. He, uh, that's Alfred. No, my uh, Michael Go, and let's see. What about uh, Christopher Walken, the guy who oh, played? Oh, he yeah, was the uh, Max Shrek. Yeah, yeah, from Batman Returns. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, I was trying to keep an eye um, out for anybody else. Do you now uh, aside from those people, and obviously you know Johnny Depp. You're a big fan of uh, Captain Jack Sparrow, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Do you know Christina Ricci, the uh, Katrina Van? Tassel, do you know her from anything? No, seeing her for the first time, I didn't recognize her. Oh, okay. She uh, played Wednesday Adams from the Adams Family. Mm, I haven't seen that yet. Okay, yeah, that's uh, so. Those were the movies that I knew her from um, first, and kind of had a crush on her in the second Adams Family. And I think the maybe the next movie after that I saw her in was Casper. Um, Sarah, do you know her from any other movies aside from those? No, um, my primary experience with her was with um, was with the Adams family. Yeah, uh, I know she's done like some edgier stuff. Uh, I, I guess you would say uh, in later in life. So I um, never really followed her uh, aside from those movies, really. But uh, I I hear she's done some good stuff and some really interesting things. You know, uh, definitely different from Adams family and Casper. <laughs> um, right. Sarah, how how versed are you in the uh, in the original story by Washington Irving? Pretty versed. Yeah. 
it's been a while since I read that, but um, by the time we're familiar. Uh, like, what are some of the the big change, the big differences between uh, this movie and the TV show? Like one one that uh, I do recall. Well, yeah, I I did watch like the first half of season one, and I kind of fell off, but only because I I watched so many other shows, mm-hmm. um, and I did enjoy it. I even wrote like a review on. Uh, on the pilot for like our WordPress page, which I, I don't really do a whole lot of with. And mm-hmm. it, I do remember um, from the earlier stuff uh, of Sleepy Hollow that um, Ichabod Crane is actually a school teacher. And in this movie, he's like a constable, you know, where he right. it, it, it appears that he's like, you know, like a, um, a lawyer slash investigator, CSI, uh, all right. all these kind of things. Uh, what was he in the in the TV show? In the TV show, he was um, he was uh, let's was see, he like a spy was he or... he was in the army? Yes, he was a spy, and um, he was uh, a military man. And it was actually coincidental that they were well, they were on the battlefield together, and then um, then they ended up killing each other. In the ultimate battle, um, Ichabod Crane and the Headless Horseman. Um, although, if you go all the way back, the Headless Horseman in the TV show was his best friend, Abraham von Brunt. So, and uh, he was captured by the Hessians and um, imprisoned in this like devil mask that made him embody the spirit of Moloch, essentially. So he became one of the the horsemen of the apocalypse, um, not by choice. And then um, eventually he and Ichabod come together on the field of battle and Ichabod beheads him. And um, he also kills Ichabod at the same time in the same stroke. So they're mingles together and then they're buried separately and bewitched as they're buried. So when the headless horseman is brought back in modern times, because their blood had mingled and because his wife, who was um, had bewitched Ichabod's grave, he rises again as well. So they're two counterparts to the legend. Um, they're meant to kind of come back kind of like Godzilla and Muto or whatever. Like whenever they rise at the same time, you know, one and the other has to come back the same. So. It's a totally, totally different spin. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. So uh, again, we're not really going see my scene. I just, um, I have a lot of bullet points. I, I may skip some, um, and just kind uh, of get your guys' opinions on some of the things. Um, Phoenix, the opening scene, we uh, get Van Garrett. It's very brief, but uh, de- decapitation right mm-hmm. off the bat, like three minutes in, into the movie. Like, what sense did you get? Like, did you have an idea of the um, the tone and, and what you're going to be getting from this movie based off of that intro? Um, so seeing this intro, it didn't make me think too much. It just made me think, oh, uh, a beheading. Okay, um, I'd see a little bit more of that during the movie, and that was pretty much it. So knowing that uh, Tim Burton directed this, and just just the first couple of minutes... Like, what were you expecting? Did you know this was rated R going in? I did. Okay. And I, I, I guess I might have told you, but did you think that maybe it was just for the violence? or? No, you actually told me it was just for the language, but I didn't even know there was any violence in the movie. 
I want to say that I told you that maybe it was a different movie that it was very hard just because of language. Because I knew this one had, um, you know, had a lot of violence. I, I didn't remember. I don't even think there was one bad word mentioned in the movie, to, yeah, to be honest. that's what I was thinking. Um, Sarah, do you remember any bad words in there? No, I don't remember any. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the movie's rated R. I, I guess I forgot this, too. But uh, we usually do, like, the parental guide. But they um, on IMDb, it lists it being rated R for, like, gory violence and um a scene of sex uh, sexuality or something mm-hmm. like that but i i think that's not even bad you know uh but i think mainly rated no, r for the violence that's not yeah yeah you could probably get away with the pg-13 if it was just that scene yeah um, um sexual scene now this coming out in 99 and you know since then we've ob- obviously got you know tv shows like hannibal and and um you know the walking dead now fear of the walking dead which you know the main guy looks like johnny depp in this movie um do you think that it would still be rated r I'm not sure. I think this could potentially pass as PG-13, you know, because the blood is very stylized. Mm-hmm. It's clear paint, you know. <laughs> you can see that just the way that it runs, it's blobby, it's slightly magenta, you know. So I think they could probably get away with uh, PG-13 in this, especially since there is no language. Yeah. Um, I think if they just, you know, how people do in TV shows, if they cut from time to time and just show only little parts of, you know, the actual beheadings. They can they can get away with PG-13 if they, you know, shoot different camera angles that doesn't show the actual beheading, but you can still see the motion happening. Yeah, the um I read that there are 18 decapitations in this movie. It it did seem like a lot. Um Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I I I don't I, I don't know if I was surprised like whether it was low or high. Like but 18 is kind of a lot. <laughs> that's that's almost 20. <laughs> Um, but I, I think that's got to be half the city. Yeah, it really, um, the, I guess like if I think it would be pretty borderline, I don't know if it'd be PG 13 or rated R because like if I compared it to the walking dead in that movie, all that violence is done to walkers, you know, like they're, they're the undead. Right. And, and these are like, mm-hmm. you know, living people. So I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know how the executives in the MPAA work, but I think that'd be a really borderline movie. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. So Ichabod Crane, I, I guess I thought that we were going to meet him a little bit later, but we meet him right off the bat too. And I'm only basing this off of like how the, uh, the movie opened up, but in, in the open, Okay, of the scene where we first meet Ichabod Crane Phoenix, um, what did you think of Johnny Depp's portrayal of him? I thought he was a, you know, a comedic tone to Ichabod Crane. Mm-hmm. I really liked it though. Yeah, because I I do know uh, Ichabod Crane in the original story is to be like a unattractive man, and I I read that Tim Burton wanted to kind of kind of focus in on his um like uh, ugly ugly characteristics i guess you know like where he's very squeamish you know when it comes to blood and uh you know he gets frightened by by things like like a spider you know where he jumps mm-hmm. up on a on a chair or something like that so they trying to compensate for the the, the handsome uh, mr johnny depp who's playing captain jack sparrow playing Ichabod crane in this movie uh, Sarah, did you get that sense at all? That like, did, did you feel that uh, Johnny Depp was um, 
I mean, obviously, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean had not been out yet. You know, it would be like another four years. But do you see that? Do you think he's very similar to uh, his portrayal in Jack Sparrow? I can see his portrayal, yeah. Um, in that he's just very adaptatious, you know, um, and that he really kind of revels in his quirks. Um, and in that way, I suppose he he does call back somewhat to the original story in that um, Ichabod Crane is kind of hapless, you know, he doesn't intend on stumbling into this mess and um, it's way beyond his experience. So I can see, I can see a little bit of that. Phoenix, did you get that sense at all? Did you get any Jack Sparrow vibe? Well, um, Jack Sparrow most of the time acted like he was drunk. Mm -hmm. um, Ichabod Crane, you know, he was he was good at most times, but um, I remember there's every now and then where I just thought, oh, that's kind of like what Jack Sparrow would do. I think it was the way he walked in some scenes. And yeah, so some of his like facial expressions. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, you know. So I got a a uh, clean shaven, sober Jack Sparrow. <laughs> <laughs> It's pretty much what I got from this. And I, I haven't seen this movie in a really long time, but I do remember when I did watch it, you know, um, around the time it came out and shortly thereafter, that, yeah, I, I did watch it a few times and uh, did enjoy it. So I, I remember that at least. Uh, I really don't remember the, I don't want to call this a star-studded cast, but there were a lot of recognizable people for me. Um, I forgot Casper Van Dien was in this movie, uh, mm -hmm. you know, who... Phoenix, I don't think you know him from anything, but did you did you watch that? Um, gosh, what was he in? I think Starship Troopers. He, he was in Starship Troopers, but there was a like a fan made trailer of something recently that he was a part of. Was it Mortal Kombat? He, I think he played Johnny Cage in. Oh gosh, I want to say, yeah, I want to say he played Johnny Cage in like some made. It wasn't Legacy, you know, but. Maybe it wasn't that. Maybe it was Power Rangers? It was I wouldn't know. Oh, gosh. Uh, yeah, I, maybe I shouldn't have brought that up because I, I don't even remember. But recently, uh, in, in the last couple of years at least, he was in some kind of fan fan made trailer film of like some something from you know pop culture like Power Rangers or Mortal Kombat. Mm -hmm. I won't say Mortal Kombat, but um, yeah, I haven't seen him. In, in a really long time, and I know that he kind of used to be a thing, right? Like, uh, right, just kind of, yeah, kind of an up and comer. And is Starship Troopers really the only thing you could think of, Sarah, that that he was in? Yeah, that's the only thing that I can think of. Yeah, I I, I obviously know he was in other stuff too, but I, I think he like eventually came back for like Starship Troopers three. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I I didn't watch two or three, but I I, I did know that much. But I I do remember, yeah, he was. Pretty boy, and um, I, I guess they thought that he was going to go on to do a lot more. But um, in the scene that Ichabod first meets uh, Katrina, Phoenix, what do you think was going on with her being blindfolded? And is, did it appear to be like some kind of kissing game? It did. It's it's a definitely a kissing game, especially because of the chant. Um, who has the kiss for the witty, wickety witch, something like that? Wickety witch. Wiki witch, wiki. Uh, sir, do you um, you've obviously seen this more than we have. What what was going on in that scene? Yeah, it was just a kissing game. Um, although I'm surprised that they play that kind of stuff in um, you know, in adult company. Um, I mean, <laughs> they're all young adults, but the older adults are there. But at the same time, 
back in that day when they were just kind of getting out of the settlement phase, you know, of America, people were more aware of each other's business, you know, romantic business and all that kind of stuff. Um, it was a little more out in the open, I think. So, yeah, I, I just thought it was interesting because like um, Brom Van Brunt, do you, I, I don't know if I missed this, but obviously he has something for Katrina, but they weren't an item, were they? I don't think so. I think it was just a um, a liking or an understanding, and that because he was so important, um, I think he was a rich, you know, a, the rich pretty boy of the town or something. That um, you know, it was just kind of understood that they would probably get together and get married. I don't think that they were yeah. actually together. Just a suitor for her. Yes. Um, okay, and so in the TV show, he is who becomes the headless horseman. Right. And, and it's Abraham in the TV show. Okay. Uh, very interesting. Cause, okay, and, and what's the original story? Is, is it um, Brom? That, I believe that... it is Brom. Mm-hmm. Okay. So so they were uh, at least trying to add him into the story. I I wonder if... Um, I wonder how that went. Like, oh, we need someone to play the Headless Horseman. And then you got, you know, Mr. Christopher Walken who just walks in. And it's like, you know, Tim, you know, we, we, we did... Uh, <laughs> Batman Returns, you know, I want to be the Headless Horseman. And I don't know, like, uh, how, how did that go? And for them to create, like, a different character, uh, you know, between Brom and the Headless Horseman. So that's just very interesting casting. Like, what did you think of Christopher Walken as the Headless Horseman? Um, I think, you know, as far as, I mean, we, we know Christopher Walken's um, acting range. Yes. So for me, this it seems like this must have been, you know, a favor or he just wanted to do something wacky and different because he can certainly um, stretch his, you know, acting abilities further than this. So he must have had to had fun with this character who has no lines, right. you know. So um, other than saying shush, you know. And I've also heard that he, I don't know if this is in your notes, but he, Christopher Walken hates horses. He's terrified of them. So all of the scenes with him on the horse, or he's on some kind of mechanical horse or a prop or something like that. So I don't know who talk, managed to talk him into doing this role, but it seems completely opposite to what he would normally do. Right. I, I think what I read was that um, he wanted that role and got it. And, and um, it wasn't until he got the role is when Tim Burton yeah, found out that he's never ridden a horse. And so, yeah, that, that kind of goes to what you're saying. Like, yeah, he's scared of them, I guess. And uh, so yeah. I, I guess good on him to want to learn to, um, you know, to be in this role. Uh, Phoenix, what did you think of, of his uh, portrayal? I mean, I, I know you have nothing to really compare it to, but did you, were you, did you find him menacing and scary or? No, because most of the time I'm, most of the time I saw him, I just tried to remember his name because oh, I knew actor. yeah, I knew it started with the C and then I kept thinking it was Chris or Christopher, but I kept thinking, no, that's Christopher Lee and just this morning when I walked in, I thought, Oh, Christopher Walken, that's right. So I just Oh, you walked in and thought Christopher Walken. Yes. <laughs> um I compared his performance to that of Mouse Hunt. He was in there? Yes. Oh I, I haven't seen Mouse Hunt. He was the wacky exterminator that came in to um, exterminate the mouse. Um, yeah. The mouse takes him all the way through the house and stuff, and it's just a really wacky scene. Um, I wasn't a big fan of the teeth, though. I, mm. Sarah, uh, no. I, I, yeah, they, um, I know that they mentioned how he, like, uh, 
uh, sharpened his teeth and all that. Did they give a reason as to why he did that? No, um, other than to say that he just really enjoyed killing and it was all about his terrifying appearance. So I guess he just did that to appear more terrifying, which, you know, but yeah, I think the teeth were a little dis- um, distracting. Yeah. But, I, you know, I, I, think I mean, so Tim too. Burton movies are kind of like that. They they are. It, it's just because, like, you know, we're so familiar with uh, Christopher Walken and just to give him the teeth, like maybe maybe they should have given more like prosthetics on his face or something. You know, like mm-hmm. if you're gonna if you're gonna change him, you know, do a little bit more than just the teeth because you're you're right. It was really distracting anytime he had his mouth open. Um, but I don't Which know. Which was I all guess, the time, pretty much. <laughs> all the time, but you know, it breaks down the food a lot easier, I guess. You know, when you're chewing. I guess. Um, so the story that's being told about the the headless horseman, I thought this was probably the first time you really get a sense of like um, maybe. Crane's like threshold of 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 how much um, like I'm trying to figure out how to word this, but they, they they cut to Depp's, you know, he's holding a coffee cup and he's like shaking, um, uh, mm-hmm. you know, basically just from this little story. So a uh, l- little bit of uh, comedy here, Phoenix. You caught that scene? I did. And you found that funny? Yeah. It was whatever. It was whatever. Um, did did. Did you get a sense of like you know like he was a scaredy cat from from the scene at all or? Yeah, you... that part I did get. Um, he was easily scared. Obviously, he wasn't used to stuff like that in New York City. Right, but um, it's 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 just it's really funny the you know the physical comedy that he does. I don't know if this stuff is like um, from the direction of Tim Burn or maybe something that Johnny Depp came up like uh, by himself. Because like that, uh, the boy I forget his name, but later on in the in the forest, um, Crane uses him as like a human shield, you know, uh, yes. while while they're going to go see the witch. So um, you just the little touches like that, it just it it just shows like how much of a coward he is, and so uh, I, I find that really funny. Yeah, I I enjoy the um, teacup shaking. Yeah, the uh, the first decapitated decapitated body that Crane investigates. Uh, again, we get to see that he's uh, really squeamish um, and has very unusual methods. Uh, Phoenix, what do you think of some of the like tools and instruments that he was using? I didn't think too much of them. I just that, well, I'm you know we've seen them before. Have we? Well, I have. Um, I they. They, they looked weird for for sure i I remember in the audience uh, at the movie theaters that when you know he puts his head down and then he, when he comes up he's wearing this weird headgear with all the the different sizes of lenses mm-hmm. that 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 got a, a really big chuckle uh, but one of my favorite lines that had me like um, r- really laugh out loud but he asks the um, magistrate what what is magistrate I know it's some kind of title. I, I don't I don't know what that is, but Magistrate uh, Phillips, I, I think he asked him like, "Did you move the body?" And he's like, "Yes." And he goes, "You mustn't ever move the body." He goes, "Why?" He goes, "Because." Doesn't answer and just walks off screen. So, <laughs> just little things like that. I, I just found it really funny, and I don't know if I can imagine like anybody else. But I don't know. Maybe maybe Robert Downey Jr. Now you know could could have played like a role very similar to this. Yeah, you know, kind of like how well, he plays mm-hmm. Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, right. Yeah, and that's I think that's um, that's definitely the vibe that I was getting from it. Where um, 
this moment in particular, when he's putting on the goggles and he looks so incredibly goofy, um, you you start to think that maybe he's kind of doesn't really know what he's talking about. But then he still manages to make um, Sherlock Holmes kind of leaps to the correct um, conclusions. Mm-hmm. So, and you know, he does put together the clues about the stride and... Um, you know, cauterizing the wound and all that kind of stuff. So it's encouraging. You feel a little encouraged that as the story goes forward, he may actually figure this out and put things together. So as wacky and quirky and funny as he is, you can actually enjoy those quirks because you know he's in. Yeah. And to kind of play up the the more, um, like, you know, he's so squeamish, maybe, yeah, he does not really uh, d- deal with, like, actual... Well, this this stuff happened in Sleepy Hollow. He he's never really come across this, and like the scene I, I kind of want to talk a little bit about is like when he oper or quote unquote wants to operate on the um the oh gosh what what is their name it starts with the W the the corpse of Win Win something uh, the Widow Winship yes that her the in that scene like I don't know if if I got this correctly but I felt that. While he was trying to quote unquote operate on the corpse, and he was using like this uh, this book or some kind of um, illustration of the anatomy, it made me think like this guy does not know like the the, the body, right? And right. So, He's like, never actually done this before, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he wants to operate, and then like it cuts to him like really studying this illustration, and like, okay, do I make the incision here? Like, what what am I gonna cut? Like, Phoenix, did you catch that? I didn't. Yeah. So yeah, he he was looking at like this 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 paper with like a drawing of the anatomy, and uh, basically he's just like I'm not sure if I'm gonna be cutting in correctly. So yeah, he just he he's never done this before, but yet he wants to operate to to find out, um, to investigate some more basically. But in in this scene, he finds out that the that woman uh, was pregnant and uh, and murdered. The um, there's a scene where the, the first time that he encounters the headless horseman, uh, he's really scared, right? And I thought this was kind of cool. And uh, we see that the headless horseman throws a flaming pumpkin at him. Uh, Phoenix, what did you think about this scene initially? Um, I thought it was actually the headless horseman. Right. Um, I do know the about the flaming pumpkin from the stories and everything. Uh, at the beginning of the movie, though, when um. Van Garrett walks or runs into the scarecrow with the pumpkin head. I thought that was the headless horseman. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't, didn't think too much of it. Yeah, that that opening scene it just made me think that um, the it had been talked about. You know that uh, that it was a thing. You know this headless horseman. So the Van Garrett was you know very paranoid when he was looking at these scarecrows, and so I, I think we were supposed to get the sense that yeah it, it had been happening already. Uh, and again, like I, I think uh, at the time. The Headless Horseman, like what? He died twenty years prior. Sarah, is that, is that what they said? Or during the American Revolution? But I, I, I think I, I want to say they mentioned like how long ago he died. The butcher, right? Yes. Didn't they call him? Um, the... Right. It was during the American Revolution. I want to say Sleepy Hollow was in the eighteen seventies. Not a hundred percent. Seventeen ninety nine. Well, the, yeah. Current time was seventeen ninety nine. Oh, is it? Uh, yeah, it, it started out in New York City, 1799. So, yeah, I, I don't know why they threw that out because, I mean... I'm I'll, losing track of all the Sleepy Hollows. <laughs> They're yeah. They're blending together in my mind. 
for me, I just don't remember. I mean, the time frame of the American uh, Revolution. So I'm I'm trying to figure out like, you know, if there, if there was a significance as to why they're showing us the the year. You know, or it could be like um, something. Yeah, well, it would be. It would be about twenty, twenty-five years. So, like, okay. You know, so if it was like pollution, you know, kind of ended it in seventeen seventy-six. So, you know, seventeen ninety would you know be a little over twenty years. I think, I think the proclamation line was seventeen sixty-three. The um, is that something you learned from school? Yes. Uh, look at you. Way look to go. You. You'd be learning. <laughs> um, <laughs> I. I this this is a little nitpicky, but I felt like the twenty twenty five years hadn't been long enough for it to be like kind of considered like a myth and legend. But uh, but mm-hmm. but I'm I'm fine with it because I was just like you know people go to like twenty year reunions and and that's not long for a lot of people. So um, you know just really nitpicky. I don't know if you guys had that feeling at all. Like um, like well, it hasn't really been that long since that guy died, and I don't know. It's yeah. I know I don't mind because. Um, because it's a small town and, um, and it's not like they have the internet or anything like that, you know? Um, so almost anything in that era, you know, between towns would be hearsay, you know, because Mm -hmm. the only people that would really know what happened were the very few people that were there to start with. They couldn't have taken pictures or anything like that. So, um, by the time even those soldiers got back into town and explained what happened to the Hesh, it would practically be legend. So... It doesn't bother me. Yeah, the um, the head of this horseman, it you know, it ends up being a prank by uh, by Brom, and it it fooled me. I I completely forgot about that, and it, at the time it made me think like, okay, now now he thinks that uh, he's you know a skeptic, right? He doesn't believe that. Okay, well this this thing doesn't exist, but um, maybe right. he's just thinking logically and um, you know, just doesn't believe in supernatural. Yet this man is frightened by everything. Um, the flashback of his mother, Phoenix, what did you think of these, like, scenes that are kind of intercut throughout the movie? Um, the first time I saw it, I knew it was something that he was trying to remember, um, mainly because of other TV shows, that's, that's usually what happens. Yeah, the, I, I kind of forgot about those scenes, and it made me think that maybe it was a little, um... A little convenient, you know, for for him to show us this. Uh, what was it like a necklace that on one side there's a cardinal and the other side's a cage. So if you flip it really f- uh, fast, it's almost like a flip book, right? You you see like the bird in the cage, um, and then you know we get the scene of uh, uh, Katrina, you know, talking about this cardinal and all that. Did you did that all seem a little convenient for you guys, Sarah? I'll, I'll give it to you first. Um. You know, not necessarily. Um, I really the flashbacks to his mother um, and explaining kind of why he's into slightly odd looking witch women, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, that part of the movie is actually some a part that sticks with me a lot because, uh, you know, I I actually live in St. Augustine where um, Ripley's Believe It or Not is. Mm -hmm. And um, so, you know, it's kind of a weird thing to stick in the mind of a child. Of course, when you're around this stuff, um, there are a lot of weird like torturements and, you know, Iron Maiden and stuff like that, that not the band, but Iron Maiden that they get into later, you know, that kind of haunted, you know, my young wonderment over the years. So to see this kind of come back into it, I don't think they actually used Iron Maidens in America. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think they were out of 
time by that point, and I'm not sure how much they were actually used ever, um, or just a legend, but, um, you know, and just kind of intimidation. But in a way, the story is a little unbelievable. How were his parents married and his father who was a Puritan minister, I suppose, never figured out that his wife was a witch. <laughs> and then one day he just hauled off and had her killed. I'm not entirely sure. But uh, yeah, anyway, those parts of the story do kind of touch a little bit of a primal, you know, childhood terror, you know, in me and I think maybe in a lot of people. So, um, so I like that part. Yeah, it's pretty off-putting, you know, kind of scary to, to see all that and just think like this this guy uh, was pretty traumatized at, at, at a really young age um yeah. i i like the the later scenes where uh you know i think they're in the forest and uh the the magistrate is you know um i think crane kind of noticed this uh this necklace he's like what is this and the magistrate says it is a talisman you know it's it's to protect me but like <laughs> shortly thereafter like he just gets decapitated and um, <laughs> right right through yeah, the talisman <laughs> right and um, Phoenix, I don't, I don't know if you found this comical, but you know the head rolls like all the way down, like in between. Uh, his crotch. Yeah, his crotch. Where <laughs> you know he was just laying. Uh, another scene that got like a, a huge laugh uh, in, in the movie theaters, and um, I don't know. I, it's just I, I, I like Tim Burton a lot. Like I, I think I like just about every movie that that he does. I, I don't have uh, issues really with a lot of them, but uh, th- this is just like more more physical comedy from from Johnny Depp where uh we cut to like him like sleeping in bed and then he wakes up and you know he's like i i i, I saw him like 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 now <laughs> he believes and they're just like oh, well of course we you know we told you about him he's like no 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 but 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 i saw him <laughs> and um you know all these yeah. things that like he, he faints telling the story <laughs> yeah it's such a great scene i love just the, you know, both halves of the story where he is going on about I saw it and fainting and then they're like, okay, but we told this, you know, and of course it's, you know, Dumbledore, you know, is so he's got, you know, very full of gravitas kind of parts where he's like, yes, we told you, we told you, you know. Right. Um, Thinks you knew that was Dumbledore? Without making fun of him. Ian McKellen? Um, no, well, no, it's, uh, I know it's Gambone. I'm going to. Like yeah, here. Michael Gambon. Okay, yeah, yeah, Michael Gambon, uh, who passed away. Um, but yeah, he was the, the f- well, he was in the first two, Harry, three maybe Harry Potter. I, I forgot when he passed away. Um, and then later on he was uh, replaced. But um, yeah, he played he played the um, Baltus. There we go, Baltus Van Tassel. Yeah, uh, Katrina's dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, he didn't have a beer or anything, so I, I wasn't sure if you recognized him. But his voice, like you, you can hear it when he talks. Um, uh, Phoenix, what do you think about the uh, the scene in the forest with the witch? You know, the, the one I kind of referenced earlier, where uh, Crane is using the boy as a human shield. Um, it was a creepy feeling or a creepy sense of watching. Um, I didn't think too much of the scene. Um, I like I like the actress's physical acting when she was like doing the spell, and you know, because because she's wearing like 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 kind of like a veil. You know, mm-hmm. so you don't you don't get to see her face. So, like, she is really animated. You know, with like her fingers and all this. You know, doing like witchery type moves, uh, movements. I, I guess, but um, I I just kind of uh, I thought it was Helena 
Bonham Carter, Carter, who's playing this, but she, I don't even think she's in this movie, but just because, you know, I know that her and Tim Burton do, like, every movie together, and so I was surprised that it wasn't her, but... I think the CGI in the scene is horrible. It it wasn't good. Uh, it, it wasn't good, especially, like, uh, you know, that actually brings us into... Um, the, the 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 tree chopping you know the the tree of uh, death is it called Sarah is that what it's called the tree of death I remember it was uh, take the Indian well, Jill to the tree something yeah b- basically it's it's the 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 grave of the headless horseman and mm-hmm. when uh, when Crane gets to this tree you know he's chopping it up and then you got like um, the branches are are like limbs you know where you chop it and then it just bleeds this really thick like you said magenta blood um but like the some of the really bad scenes is like the opening in the tree you know where like the headless horseman hops out like uh, and you can see the the hole is clearly um uh you know uh, like cgi or blue green screen at the time but i think the the best visuals is um is probably when you see the headless horseman without the head, you know, probably Ray Park wearing like a like a green mask or something where they digitally remove it. Those were probably some of the the, the better uh, CGI. But Phoenix, do you think it's more of like the, the decapitations and things like that? Is that what you're thinking of as far as that type of effects didn't really work for you? No, the beheadings actually worked for me a lot. Okay. Um, I'm I'm just saying the the CGI with the witch. That's that, that's all I'm saying. Oh, oh! You you're talking about her with face the, uh, yeah. with the eyes popping out and stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I agree with you. Okay, I, I thought you meant like like in in uh, like in general, like overall in the movie. No. Okay. Um. Yeah, I I do like how they explained that the um you know the, the decapitations you know they're basically cauterized so that that way you don't get like these Quentin Tarantino blood splatters you know when like heads get uh, lopped off. So uh, I, I kind of like that. It, perhaps to kind of like minimize the cost in, in blood, uh, fake blood. Um, Phoenix, there, there's that scene with uh, Crane and um, Brom uh, fighting the, the Headless Horseman. And then like uh, I think there's that uh, the scene where he gets cut off in half. Did you, did you think that was done pretty well? Or? Yeah, especially because you couldn't see the whole thing. You know, you could just see the figure in the shadow. Yeah. And um, Sarah, that that scene over there on the bridge that's something from from the original story right right i think that i believe that is a change i can't 100 percent remember the the original story but i believe he could not cross the bridge and um because like a lot of supernatural creatures they're not allowed to cross bodies of water but um but in this scene you know that didn't stop him Right. I I wonder. Yeah. Um. I wonder if in the original story it's something like where he's a vampire. He has to be invited over the bridge or something for for it to be okay. Um, well, uh, vampires would be going inside houses or someone's home. <laughs> well, I, I know. I'm but, not sure how you would invite him over. But yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Can you walk over the bridge, please? Um, right. I think um like like vampires. I think it has to do with the fact that they're bound to the land they're buried in. So the fact that he's he's it rests in this land in this area um he's not supposed to be able to cross out of or something like that okay um the short after uh, i think katrina is making some kind of like like a like a healing cocktail of some sort where she's like cutting up um like a crow's feet you know for for this drink and phoenix what did you think of that scene um you know just kind of verify that she was a witch 
Yeah, I, I think it was supposed to tell us that, you know, some of uh, the things that she does also was a little unorthodox and maybe like a clue to maybe who might be behind all this. So uh, we do get that it's, you know, it's obviously not her, but this, this I, I don't know if this says anything about me, but uh, my mind went somewhere differently. Uh, Sarah, do you eat dim sum at all? Um, Not often, but I have. One of the things that me and Phoenix eat is chicken feet. Uh, at at Dissum, which sounds uh, really weird to a lot of people, I'm mm-hmm. sure. But like when she cuts this crow's feet, I was like, I wonder if you cook that right, what it tastes like chicken feet. Uh, so that's kind of where my mind went uh, for, for the moment, <laughs> right. which is uh, really weird. So uh, I'd like to hear some feedback on that and see if, if you know what's had chicken feet. The crow's feet just, you know, they don't seem to have that much. <laughs> yeah, definitely don't <laughs> look like chicken feet. They don't seem to have that much meat on them, you know, as no. opposed to chicken feet. That's just kind of where it went. I'm all like, hmm. It just looked yeah. like they're scammed. Right. <laughs> I appreciated her, um, you know, I think this actually set her apart from Ichabod Crane because you kind of have to have some guts, uh, you know, as, um, you know, what somebody would consider the more squeamish sex where, you know, she's obviously caught this bird and killed it and then chopped the foot off and she's not even blinking. She's just, you know, just chopping it off of this crow, you know. Yeah, no big deal. Um, so uh, I talked about the scene where, um, Crane was frightened by a spider. And so, uh, I, I keep calling him the boy, but I, I, I didn't catch his name, but, um, Masbeth. Okay. Oh, right. Young Masbeth. Um, so young, young Masbeth. Right. Yeah. Um, he starts like going after the spider uh, and then like sees that there is something, uh, under the bed and, you know, him being a kid is like, Oh, somebody's casting a spell on you. And so, so we're like, oh, right. who could it be? You know, and this is where we're supposed to kind of put two and two together that it could possibly be Katrina. There, I guess, Crane had been working on some some research, you know, some investigating, and then like uh, Katrina sees that uh, he hides like these papers he's been working on uh, in, in the in the dresser or in a drawer in a desk, and like during his aha moment, I guess he thinks that uh, Baltus. Uh, Van Tassel, her father, is basically behind all of this. Um, Phoenix, around this time, did you have a sense who you thought might be behind the, you know, the the whole headless horseman and and witchery? Um, so for a good portion of the movie, I thought it was Katrina. Um, you know, she was suspiciously in his room, so she could have been the one doing the drawings, obviously. Uh, following Mr. Crane into the woods, you know, I thought she was just trying to keep an eye on him, making sure she, he wouldn't find anything instead of actually helping him. Um, there was a few other clues that led me to think this, but those are my main ones. Um, and what about the, the, the scene in the church? Uh, so kind of like the bridge, uh, Crane kind of figures out here that the headless horseman cannot go inside the church. Is that what that was? Or He can't he... go inside the gates. Okay. And so we get a pretty violent scene here uh, with with pro- probably your other, like, you know, 15 decapitations because we've, <laughs> we've only had a few <laughs> right. thus far. Um, what what happened to Katrina? She fainted? Her father. What, what, what did he do? I kind of forget. Died. He died and then she fainted. Oh, yeah, I've, I found that a little convenient, too. Because um, I didn't get a sense of, I mean, she... She cuts up crows for you. I don't know. I guess it is her dad, and I don't know. I eat. Yes. Well, yeah, I mean, it was. it's pretty horrifying, you know, those and stands up on the pulpit, and then, 
it gets um, lanced pretty much through the middle. And I think of all the deaths in the movie, this one is probably the most realistic, you know, because it does actually look like blood, um, whereas the other ones just kind of look like paint. And, right. um, you know, and you see most of it and you feel bad for him because you like him and, you know, you see their relationship. So, you know, obviously the placement of it all was very convenient where he's up on, you know, up on the top and she's right there, you know, at the pulpit and then the drawing is down the floor and it's all in one long line. But, you know, but it was understandable that she had that um, reaction. It was was pretty horrifying. Yeah. Um, So we we get the reveal that it was the, the evil stepmother this entire time. Very cliche. Uh, of, of of course yeah of course <laughs> and and then she does the the whole like you know James Bond victim I mean not victim villain kind of, kind of thing you know where she t- t- you know explains everything you know to the T so Phoenix did you did you like that scene did that <laughs> make you roll your eyes or were you like oh interesting it just made me go oh wow so that's how everything is explained. Did did you understand her motivation for for wanting to be the um, I guess the the kin and and the heir to this fortune or something? I mean, it's it's a town of like ten people. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Right. <laughs> How wealthy I, are they really? Yeah. <laughs> right. It, you know what's funny? Like in that first scene when Crane does uh, come to Sleepy Hollow and he's talking with all those men, I, I was all like. These seem like really high noblemen, you know, that you'd find like working at the White House or something. And this is like a a town of like a handful of people. So I I thought that was uh, kind (laughs) of kind of interesting. But yeah, I I don't know if like because I had not seen this in such a long time and now with like grown up eyes, I was like, you know, that motivation was a little weak. Uh, Sarah, what do you think about it for, you know, for this being something you watch annually with your husband? Yeah, you know, it's it's that standard, you know, it's kind of a standard trope in stories at that time, you know, it was a lot more, the prospect of, you know, quote, evil step parent was a little more, it was more terrifying, because people's parents were actually dying, you know, left and right, like not a lot of people were living to the age of, you know, 30 or 40, or something like that. And the, the towns were small, and you know, you could end up with somebody that you really didn't like, or that you know, that they did have um, kind of competing land interests. I mean, that's what um, that's what the whole witch trial are about. Essentially, you know, when they got down to the heart of it is lust over land you know, and accusing people and having other people killed because they wanted their land, in, even in smounds. So, you know, people were a lot more um, heartless and cutthroat in that day. Um, so it's it's kind of, you know, it's relatively understandable. Um, but what gets me about you know, about this whole setup is the clothes, you know, maybe because um, I'm a woman and these clothes seem very fussy. So when I look at the scene with the little girls out in the forest mm-hmm. and they're homeless and they have no mother, but they're still out in the forest in these fancy foo-foo clothes up sticks, you know, like <laughs> who's washing that dress? Who's right. making that dress? Who's mending that? You know, and then you're in this very small town where apparently there are only five people who aren't in the upper class, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> so, uh, you know, the Masbeths and then the midwife and her husband and child, that's pretty much the only you know, non-upper class person. Why are you wearing these clothes, you know, in this fancy town if you are a mer, essentially? So. Right. Yeah, no, that's a very uh, interesting insight on that. 
Um, Phoenix, the the scene inside the the windmill. Did you what did you think about about that? Did you get any vibes, or did it make you think of any other movies at all? Um, there is a oh Frankenweenie. 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 How so? I I I think I've seen it like one time. I don't really recall it. So have I. Um, there was a windmill scene. That's pretty much it. Okay. With, it, wasn't that a, also like, burning. Uh, like a Tim Burton production or mm-hmm. something? Was he? Did he direct that? Or? He did. Um, you know what there I you got? Go. Uh, he likes those windmills. <laughs> he does. Sarah, did you get any other uh, vibes off of like the inside of the windmill scene? Like I, I, I totally got something. I just want to see if you had anything else or just, got just nothing. Oh, like um, just like watching the inside of the windmill. Like, uh, did did you? Get any, okay, so I guess what I'm getting at, I just um, I don't know how to word it, but like inside the windmill in the the chase with the the headless horseman, I got that 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 vibe from that scene of uh, a Batman, you, you know, in the very first movie with with yes, uh, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, where Batman's fighting like all of Joker's goons. So that that's right. that's what I was getting uh, in in here. Fiends, can yeah. you see that mm-hmm. at, at all? No. No, you can't. Okay, so so that's two and one. So we, uh, <laughs> yeah, um, we're No, um, yeah. well, Tim Burton does like to reuse. You know, um, he's got certain ideas about what is horrifying to him. But I'm not yeah. sure what. <laughs> I, I mean, I agree that um, you know buildings with a lot of mechanics and wheels and stuff like that that are you know controlled by natural forces. Maybe that's something that pings his horror radar. Yeah, he yeah he does a lot of uh, renews a lot of things. I I think um, I I really enjoyed Sweeney Todd, and I think that I watched some kind of featurette on it, and they were showing like some of the similarities between like um, maybe some of the shots and characters from like some of his previous work, where uh, I think like the Sweeney Todd's like barbershop was very similar to the look of like Edward Scissorhands attic, you know or. Or something like uh-huh. that. So yeah, so Tim Burton does that a lot. I'm, I'm sure like other directors too, but I think it's more noticeable in like Burton's work. Um, so I don't yes. know. Yes, especially since he reuses people too. Right, so. right. <laughs> yeah. In a sense, that is that's um, part of why people you know return to Tim Burton movies over and over is they know that that it's going to familiar setting and a familiar set of casts. They know what to expect, but you know they're looking for a different twist he's putting on this story this time. You know, right. Um, uh, I forgot to, well, I, it wasn't a big deal to me, but, um, Phoenix, do you remember the scene where Katrina gives Crane, like, uh, what was it, like a little journal of hers or something that was her mother's, that, that little book? Yeah, it was for the beginning of the movie, I think. Okay, and then, like, she tells him something that, like, uh, you know, keep it with you, it's gonna, you know, bring you luck or something. Um, it's gonna save your life. Yeah. So, Sarah, is that what, he, what she told him? Keep it close to your heart. Yeah. And so, Phoenix, when that scene happened, did did you have any thoughts of, like, what may happen? Like, any I literally did think that <laughs> he was going to get shot or something and that it was going to save his life. Yeah, it, that's that's a trope right there. I mean, like, um, and yeah. that was, yeah, I felt that was super on the nose. Like, oh, yeah, okay, he's going to get shot and that's going to save him. Um, and we seen right, that... they showed you that it was a nice, solid book. You yes, know? yes. So. It's, it's like it's like the Odyssey. <laughs> it's uh, it's very large and thick, um, pocket size. Um, but uh, yeah, I want to say like recently, or not recently. I, I like the first thing I went to was like um, somebody that had a watch and like got shot, and then like the the uh, a pocket watch, and like the bullet got stuck mm-hmm. in the watch. Forgetting what movie that is, but I'm just like God. This is it. it, it 
like I don't mind that they did that, but for her to word it like, yeah, keep it close to your heart. It was like, keep okay, yeah, like um, it's telling you, yeah, yeah, it's telegraphing yeah, it's, that that's gonna happen. I and I don't know if um if I'm a little offended by that that they didn't think that we would be smart enough to kind of put that together like oh yeah it's that book for me I was just like well that's because she said that like you know it, you know so it just it right. didn't have it didn't have that punch you know like a, so so that kind of didn't work for me um, yeah, it wasn't surprising but at the same time you know Tim Burton does like to kind of reuse those tropes. I mean, you know, essentially what's going to happen because this is an old story, you know, you should be familiar with the story. So, um, you know, in a way, the story in itself is a trope. So he's kind of pulling in elements from other stories that you're familiar with so that, you know, he's telegraphing to you eventually what's going to happen. That, and in a way, it's almost telling you the secret that she's not in on it, you know, that she is. Um, protecting him and that her her feelings are genuine but in kind of keep wondering well if it's not then who is it yeah the uh in this same scene phoenix um crane was able to to get the skull back to the horseman what do you think of that cgi of like the reanimation of his face um at first i didn't know what was happening like uh you know you could see all the um like like you didn't know the curse was being broken that that you know if you no. became, oh, you didn't catch okay yeah um, was, I thought like a spell had to be set or drawn or something um, when no the only thing I didn't understand was when his head was coming back together in one um, you could see like the uh, it looked like branches coming up from his body I oh. in a, in a few seconds I realized that his head was coming back together but it. I just thought you weren't that, sure. Yeah, exactly I wasn't was sure. On. I thought that his head would come back, but it would just be like, I thought he would just fall from his horse right then and there, just be dead. I didn't think that he would actually come back alive. Oh, okay. momentarily. Zero. What was that that you said? It is pretty weird. Um, you know, this this part to me is just super super hokey, but um, it's kind of indicative that he's. Um, and, may, and because, I mean, this isn't an early 90s movie, it's 1999, but it calls back to things like Beetlejuice and stuff like that, where it's very uh, wacky horror, you know? Right. It's not the best, but it's very Tim Burton. So that's one of those times where you're like, oh yeah, here they are in a Tim Burton movie. You know? <laughs> you're right. Uh, now that I think about it, that that reminds me of, that's a great example, is, is Beetlejuice, but also... Um, with you bringing that up, that makes me think of Large Marge from Pee-wee. Yeah. I don't know if you remember. Yeah. Um, so, you know, p- people around our age, you know, we'll, we'll get that reference. Um, Large Marge yeah. sent you. Yeah. Um, I, I, I do like, and if we forgot that Crane gets squeamish, uh, even though at times he seems very heroic, uh, he does faint by the sight of... Uh, of the uh, Lady Van T- Tassel's arm sticking out of the tree. Uh, Phoenix, did you find that funny, or were you at this point kind of like, okay, I get it, like, you know? I was still disgusted from that kiss. Oh, right, yeah, with the blood, and yeah, that's pretty gross. I don't think we have any comments on that. Um, it doesn't make visual sense, because right. when he pulls back, I mean, her lips are still on. Um, and, of course, that's something that 
that happened um, actually in Hannibal in um, in the last two oh. episodes of the series where he fights somebody's face off. Mm. And um, I mean, Hannibal doesn't, but uh, the Red Dragon does. And um, so, you know, you I mean the, the lips are not supposed to be intact, but, uh, you know, I mean, it's totally gross. But again, they use paint and stuff like that. So it's kind of pokey. The um, Sarah, I forgot to bring this up earlier, but uh, when we first got like the flashbacks of the headless horseman, you know, where he's yeah um, in the snow and f- fighting all these men, I got like a Game of Thrones vibe, like that that could have been a scene from Game of Thrones. I don't know if you got yeah, that. Yeah, a at little all, bit. Or... Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. I I wonder if there's any inspiration because I I think that this movie did win uh, some kind of um. Uh, Oscar for like their art direction and and things like that, which you know it's it's stunning in things like uh, the sets and all that. It's it looks really good, um, but I was yes. just like, oh, is uh, Christopher Walken you know um, part of the wall and you know he's f- 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 fighting all these uh, you know so I I got that vibe. And Phoenix wouldn't get the reference obviously, but um, I think he'll have to wait you know a couple more years at least uh, for for that type of show. Right. But um yeah. So ba- basically the end of the movie, you know, Crane and Katrina they they hook up and uh he takes her back to London and Sarah you you know, you made that Beetlejuice reference here. She is wearing like the same pattern of Beetlejuice's yes. suit, you know, yes. a- as a dress. He loves uh, that white and black stripe. Yeah. Phoenix, did you catch that dress at all? No, I was just focusing on uh Mazbeth. At the very end? Yes. I I don't remember him being there. What was going on with him? He was carrying all of the luggage. Oh, okay. So he uh, so Crane adopts him, I guess. It, that's what it seemed like. That's yeah. why I was focusing on him. I was trying to see how old he looked to me. So for me, I was distracted by her dress. So I didn't even catch that he was with them. So, um, you know, I, I guess that says much when I, you know, forgot his name. And, you know, so he was kind of... It was just kind of there for me, um, but I think he was a big part. Well, I I know that, but like for me, I was just kind of like ah, you know, <laughs> <laughs> something like that. Um, but yeah, that that that's the that's the end of it. Uh, Sarah, we you know do a little wrap up and then we do like a like a five star rating. And it's funny that I should just make it ten because we even break it down by quarters, <laughs> you know. Um, but uh, we'll we, you know um, we'll have our guests go last. Uh, so, Phoenix, why don't you go ahead and start and give us your rating? Um, I give it a 4.25. Um, I think it was a really good movie, uh, good storyline, just the CGI and some other scenes of the movie that I didn't care too much for. Um, I'm sure if that all got cleaned up a little bit, it'd be um, much, much much higher. Okay. Uh, for me, I, I don't know if this is fair to the movie, but I'm going to kind of graded on a curve as far as like uh, a lot of the other Tim Burton movies just because he is so stylized that I feel like um, it's hard not to compare to a lot of his other movies you know for example Sweeney Todd, Edward Scissorhands um, you know we made a lot of references from his other movies um, so I, I don't know if I can give it a, like a fair rating like on a on it standing alone without comparing it to the, his other movies but um I think I'm going to give it like a solid four. I, I don't want to go any higher than that because if I do, I feel like this is a movie that I would watch a little bit more often. Um, but I, I don't I don't feel like I have any plans to revisit it anytime soon. Not not because I didn't enjoy it. I, I really did. I love Johnny Depp in this role. Uh, again, clean, shaven, sober uh, Captain Jack Sparrow. And um, yeah, I, I think I'm just going to go with a four. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's what I would go with as well. Even though I really enjoy this movie, to me, um, you know, when you compare it to the other um, Tim Burton movies, it's not meant to be a serious movie. It's not meant to be, you know, a five. There are hokey elements. There are times where the melodrama, like, how do you love to me that day when you followed me out into the forest? You know, where you totally... <laughs> that's a good impression. <laughs> you're totally rolling your eyes and you're like, oh my God, you know, um, and the head effects and the, um, you know, the heads in the thing and whatever. So I don't think that it's meant to be a, a 10 out of 10 movie, you know, it's supposed to be a hokey fun movie. So things that, you know, that don't necessarily stand up to the rest of his standards or that are tropey seem to stick out a bit more. So you can see where somebody would watch that movie and go, eh, you know, I could take it or as far as whether I watch it again. Or when you put it on, you're maybe not paying attention 100%. It's, it's a, you know, it's a junk food movie. So I would go with a four. Now, if somebody were to watch this for the first time, example, like Phoenix, and if he enjoyed it enough, do you feel like if they enjoyed this, they can go on and enjoy the TV show? Um, absolutely. I mean, the TV show is is quite different. Um, the mood is quite different. You know, um, the, the stars are not bumbling and hokey. There is a little bit of comedy into it where he's out of his element and they're learning to, you know, live with each other's quirks and doesn't really understand living in the modern world. She doesn't understand dealing with somebody not from the modern world. They don't understand how to deal with the supernatural. So there are some some com- moments and some physical comedy moments, but for the most part, um, you know, they're dedicated quest and it's uh, it's a lot like you know, let's say Angel, you know, um, it's turning more into kind of those supernatural uh, type shows with, uh, you know, Angel and Buffy and things like that, where they're starting to bring in different elements and not so much the horsemen. But if you, you know, if you like this movie, I think you would definitely enjoy the show. Awesome. And uh, for those that do enjoy the show, again, um, you know, actually at this point, why don't you, uh, pimp out social media if you welcome interactions, you know, you know, like Twitter, for example, or, and, and also how, um, people can listen to you and the shows you cover. Absolutely. Um, you can find me on Twitter at D donuts, D E E like D Snyder donuts, like Dunkin Donuts. Um, and uh, you can also listen to me and Nina and Robin talk about Sleepy Hollow at Podcast Fandom. And uh, when did those release? Like the day after, right? Or, or maybe two days after? Um, it's usually a two-day delay. We watch the show. Um, it's going to be on Thursdays. Uh, last year it was Monday, but this year it'll be on Thursdays. We'll probably record on Friday night, um, or Saturday, and then it'll be out the following day. So you'll be able to get those podcasts on the weekend. All right, definitely subscribe. Um, you know, the Project Phantom put out uh, a plethora of shows, you know, something for, for everybody for <laughs> <Yes>. sure. <laughs> um, but, yes, yeah, Sarah, I'd I like to, you know, thank you so much for coming on the show. You know, uh, ho- hopefully you had a good time. Uh, I absolutely did. Thank you so much for having me, and I really enjoyed talking to you guys. And if you enjoyed what we did here, just as much as Sarah enjoyed talking to us, you can find more of our work at followingfilms.com under the Following Films Podcast Network. Also on the website, you can find other great podcasts, such as War Machine vs. War Horse, Pop Culture Case Studies, 
Troop Romance Film Podcast, and also the other podcast that I do called Original Remake, where my co-host Mike and I, we take an original movie and discuss and compare its remake. So if you would like to email into the show, you can do so at hlfpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to hit us up on Instagram and Twitter, it's at hlfpodcast. So for Phoenix, I'm Peter. Until the next episode, this is Hydrate Level 4. Hydrate Level 4.